Rick, today is one of those episodes that may be the culmination of all of our life's work. <laughs> really? Yeah. We had the chance to talk to the daughter of perhaps the what most famous horror movie star in, in well, history. Well, if you count Frankenstein and, and the Mummy right. and you know and, all the and Frankenstein the, remakes. And, and the yeah. voice of the Grinch. Yeah. We get to talk to Sarah Karloff, who, of course, is the daughter of Boris. Karloff. Yeah, right. So lots of stuff to come up. Uh, but first, listen to this other fine old pie show. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Dave, uh, this week's guest uh, comes from some pretty impressive pedigree. Uh, her father, one of the most beloved actors of all time, the incredible Boris Karloff, who you obviously remember as the star of Frankenstein and the Mummy and the Grinch who stole Christmas. Please welcome to the show. Sarah Karloff. How are you, Sarah? I'm just fine, thank you. How are the two of you? Or all of you? How many of you are there? There's just, There's two. just two of us. There's two of us, but thanks for being on the show. Um, oh, you know, yes. Your father passed away in 1969. Did you think that he would still be so popular more than 50 years later? I mean, here we are, uh, still celebrating his life. You've got a documentary out about him. I mean, he is... He's one of the greats, isn't he? Well, he is, you know. He was a lovely human being. He was um, really loved by everybody who knew him and respected by everybody who worked with him. Um, and nobody would be more surprised than he um, uh, about the longevity of his legacy. He was so modest and so self-effacing in his humor, um, he would just say, what's the big deal? Uh, <laughs> yeah. He would be just blown over by the the continuation of his uh, fame and his and his 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 legacy. Uh, and of course, it's the fans who have given his legacy the long legs that it has. The fans are wonderful. They are um, multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are interested in both his career and in his his in the man himself. Um, I'm nothing but a conduit for those people who wish they'd had a chance to know him, and I find that the fans know far more about his career than I could ever <laughs> learn. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and, yeah. Well, it's. It's remarkable, and it's the greatest compliment any actor could ever have. Um, his fans are just lovely. I, when I do a 
when I'm invited to do a convention or a show or an interview or anything, I it's always a learning experience for me uh, and, a, and a rewarding one because I, um, I'm, I learn from the fans the impact my father, both as a human being and as an actor, had on their lives. And it's it's just remarkable. It really is. Well, what a wonderful testament to someone's life that, you know, like yeah. you say, 50 years, 50 years later, people are, you know, he's having a huge impact on all these people's lives. You know, I didn't... And it's multi-generational. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's the Grinch, as well as mm-hmm. his... The, the rest of his films. Sure. Um, he did a, a huge body of radio work, part of which was a Reader's Digest uh, show that uh, was five minutes long and and ran for years, and it was directed at children. You know, I didn't really... He did 20, he did 20 recordings of children's albums, Hans Christian Andersen, Rudyard Kipling, um, all sorts of fairy tales, and they were all long playing um, 33 and a half uh, uh, albums, and um, they were just wonderful. You know, I didn't realize that your dad had already made 80 movies before he played. He was in Frankenstein. He was what 44 year old, 44 years old. He's 44 years old, and he said that. Well, it was true. Frankenstein was his 81st film, and he said hardly anyone saw the first 80. <laughs> yeah, well, 81 pretty good for him, right? Uh, do, you know, do you think? And he, and he had made. He made, I think, 167 films. Wow! Wow! Uh, yeah, a lot of silence. Yeah. Uh, several lost films. Um, a lot of serials. Um, uh, just a huge body of work, and I think what a lot of people don't know is he starred on Broadway in five different plays, mm-hmm. um, Arsenic and Old Lace, of right. course, probably being the best known, Peter Pan, which he loved doing because the kids loved to come backstage and try on the hook mm-hmm. uh, of Captain Hook, um, um, and then he uh, played in uh, The Lark, Opposite Julie Harris, and he was nominated for a Tony. Uh, he won a uh, he won a Grammy for The Grinch, and the lovely story that many people don't know. My father was very modest, and he wasn't into awards of any sort. And so he was in England at the time the Grammys were awarded, and he asked his agent Arthur Kennard to uh, go to the ceremony for him, and. Um, so when he came uh, came back over from England to the West Coast to work the next time, he went to Arthur's office, and Arthur said, Here, Boris, here's your Grammy. And my father took it from him and looked at it and turned it around and looked at it some more and said, Looks like a bloody doorstop. <laughs> and he took it from Arthur, and he walked over to Arthur's office door and put it down and left it there as a doorstop. Wow. Do you know where it is now? By any chance? In on my bookshelf. Oh, oh okay. you got it back. That's <laughs> <Okay>. good. <laughs> Eventually, I got it from the academy, and um, and and it landed on my bookshelf, but not till after my father passed away. Uh, wow. You know, do do you think that you know he like like you had just mentioned his first eighty movies, you know, with very modest you know success? Do you think? And he was forty four. Do you think that long? 
I don't know if it was a struggle. It doesn't sound like he was necessarily unhappy, but kept everything in perspective for him. The fact that it took a it took a bit, you know, from his career to, you know, to make it and to get, you know, notoriety. Or oh, did that I'm not sure matter to him? I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, he spent 10 years in repertory theater um, up in uh, Canada uh, before he made his way down to Hollywood. And um, sometimes getting paid and sometimes not, sometimes building and painting sets. <laughs> sometimes working for the um, British Columbia Railroad, sometimes um, sometimes not working at all, barely eating. Um, and then he made his way down to, to uh, the United States and, um, and then in, to Hollywood finally, and, and then uh, did again uh, plays and finally into pictures and he was an extra, as he said, fourth from the left in the third row, and then he was. Um, um, then he did bit parts, and the first bit part of the of any caliber was um, in, in Howard Hawks' uh, Criminal Code, and that really was his first showy part of any sort, and. And then he was in the play, and then in the film, cast in the film, and um, then he was uh, in the right place at the right time. After the part was offered to Bela Lugosi first, uh, Roland Frankenstein, and um, and and James Whale, um, they had changed directors for Frankenstein, and James Whale became the director. And he saw my father in the commissary and asked him if he test for the role and um, he spent two weeks with Jack the makeup genius as my father referred to Jack uh, uh, Jack Pierce and um, they spent two weeks together in the makeup room um, and Jack created this magnificent makeup and my father um, uh, suggested he take out a partial plate that he had to create the indentation in the cheek, and they did a uh, a test, um, a, a film test, and my father got the role. But they had already started shooting the film before they cast the role of the creature. Oh wow! Yeah, Bailey turned that. it down, and they had already started shooting. Um, the film and didn't have anybody cast in that role yet and then my father was ca was cast after they shot Jack Pierce's makeup and um, uh, cinema history yeah well. but my father wasn't even uh, wasn't even invited to the premiere really yeah, he wasn't he wasn't even credited in the in the opening credits in the opening credits he was in the end rolling <laughs> credits but he wasn't even invited to the premiere. And when he did finally see the film, it, it, it was uh, playing up in San Francisco. And my mother, uh, who was a graduate librarian in, uh, from Berkeley, they were up in San Francisco uh, uh, visiting a college friend of my mother's, and it was playing up there. And so they snuck in to see it. And... Um, my mother's nickname, her name was Dorothy, her nickname was Dot, and um, 
They were sitting in the back, and when they shot the scene of my father turning around in the doorway, my mother's college friends said, Oh, my God, God, how could you live with such a monster? <laughs> Whereupon they were... They were asked to leave the theater, so my father didn't even see the whole film then. Oh, he was kicked out of his movie. <laughs> oh, my God, that is great. Out of his own movie. I love that. And so, you know, because, of course, he was in the makeup room when they were uh, when they were showing the, the, uh, the day's shoot, having the makeup taken off. So he never even saw the daily, uh, daily film the runs. And so... He didn't see it at the premiere, and then he didn't go see it, and then he didn't get to see it in San Francisco, <laughs> and so it was a long time before he ever saw wow. the film. And it's almost 100 years later, and we still uh, think of him as that role. <laughs> right. It's amazing, isn't I it? I know. I know. Did he ever tell you any stories about the makeup and how, you know, it must have been just crazy, right? Awful. I mean, yeah, I mean, just horrible. But he never talked about it. He never complained about it. He gave all the credit to the success of that uh, of makeup to Jack Pierce. And he truly referred to Jack as a genius. I've read about how awful that makeup was to put on. It was lead-based makeup, um, and, and it took nearly nearly four hours to put on every morning. And, of course, the camera doesn't lie, so that it had to be exactly the same every single morning, which speaks to Jack Pierce's genius and my father's patience. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and it took nearly that long to take off at night, about three hours every night to take off. So before they even began the shooting, um, it was nearly a, a, a normal working day. Yeah, seven hours. And so just the makeup. hours were long and and arduous, and the makeup was dangerous. And and um, my father, who was already a starving actor at that point, lost twenty five pounds during the making of. Wow, wow! Didn't he also hurt his back at, at during yes, the movie? Yes, he did. Because he had to yes, carry. He, uh, he already had a, yeah. a sore back. But he did injure his back carrying Colin Clive up the back hill of, of the lot. And um, uh, he subsequently had back surgery. And um, um, he uh, eventually had three back surgeries. Oh, boy. You know, yeah. uh, the other uh, movie that he's famous for, uh, for of that genre is Mummy. And. Uh, yes. And, and that, that makeup was took almost as long to put on. That's what I was going to ask. And was equally um, uncomfortable at um, both of those makeups for the mummy. But when they, the Imhotep, the uh, gauze-wrapped um, makeup, um, took almost as long. And then, of course, to do the Artist Bay makeup took nearly as long. But the day that they did the Imhotep makeup, um, um, it took hours and hours for that to go on and, and dry, et cetera. And when they had completed putting on that makeup, my father pointed out to them that um, they had forgotten to, to put in a fly. <laughs> okay. And so the groaning so was him trying to, having to go pee is what the groaning was. was. 
he was facing a long <laughs> shooting day, so they had to remedy that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> that is, that yeah. is great. You know, it's funny about those two monsters. Uh, you know, I, I, I never really considered either of them to be scary. To me, Frankenstein was was not the bad guy he was he was the victim of that movie you know the the little kids all loved him right that's right absolutely my father said kids understood they got it that that frankenstein was the victim and not the perpetrator and the mummy uh as far as you know scary uh uh monsters go was so slow I mean, yeah. even me, even me and Rick could outrun. I mean, I yeah, think yeah. as a sixty-year-old, I still could <laughs> right. outrun the mummy. Right, I would taunt him. Come on, mummy, come and get me. <laughs> yeah, he dragged that piece of gauze pretty slowly out that doorway. <laughs> now, and, and really, really, truly, it that is that is a love story. The the whole whole script really yeah, is. A love yeah, story. yeah, it's true. That's true. Now, to me, and the sets are beautiful, and and um, the costumes are beautiful. It's not a horror film. No, no, I, no. I don't think so either. Now, to, to me, your father is always going to be the voice of the Grinch. That that's my all time favorite Christmas special. It's as you mentioned earlier, multi generational. Dave and I saw it when it first oh, came yeah. out. But they play it every year. Our kids also love it, and all the Who's in Whoville love it. Uh, your, yeah. your dad's voice work on that is amazing. The, the rhymes of Seuss, the switching back and forth from the narrator to the Grinch voice. Uh, how did he feel about that, Joe? Did he was he proud of that one? Well, well, let me tell you a story about that. My dad, as I have said, is, was very modest. He never brought his work home. He never talked about his work. Um, he never talked about other actors. He never, you know, he never, never talked about his work. One night, and I have two sons, and they were little guys when that was done. Um, one night, my phone rang, and it was my dad, and he said, "I've just done something um, that's going to be on the telly tonight," and he said, "I thought you and the boys might." enjoy it well I nearly dropped the phone because my <laughs> father just never 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 called and said I'm going to be on the telly or right. I might like to see this and he said I think it's pretty good well, I think it's pretty good it's the timeless <laughs> and, classic and you might you might, you and the boys might enjoy it a bit um, I think it's going to be on about seven <laughs> And, so and, just, and, uh, and 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 on seven for the next sixty years, <laughs> yeah, right, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and um, he said, um, it, "It's um, yeah, you might like to watch it." That was the end of it. So we watched it, and it was "How the Grinch Stole Christmas," and yeah, it was pretty good. Okay. Won a Grammy for it, and we're still watching it to this day. A Grammy that is I mean, now on your was, bookshelf. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he's—that he, is the way he felt. Uh, you know, he just—yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, to this day, I—I I bought myself th about three years ago. I bought myself a Christmas present, a life-size Grinch oh. that I put up in my living room every Christmas. And it, when you push its button, it wiggles its hips and twists its head and 
says some of the lines from the group. Oh my God! It's just oh. wonderful. Oh my God! And awesome. you know, it's 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 the most delightful thing. And um, of course, I watch it every year, and of course, my kids do every year. My kids who are now in there, never you mind. <laughs> well, yeah, we're there and, too. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, it, but that was my my dad, and he was one of the founding members of the screen, a screen well, of the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. His card number was number nine, and it's because of all the years of being a starving actor that, that his work that he never talked about, uh, founding SAG, um, giving up-and-coming actors a voice, uh, an avenue to uh, improve the conditions for working actors was so important to him. Well, and and I'm guessing the film industry didn't exactly uh, accept that with open arms. Oh my goodness! They were putting their, they were putting those twelve founding members were putting their careers online because um, that my mother told me that they would park their cars blocks away from uh, their house the houses and then walk to meetings at one another's houses and at parties. They would dance by one another on the dance floor and whisper, meeting Tuesday night like, at so-and-so. Sounds like house. a spy movie. Yeah, really. You know? Oh, yeah. They were going up against the studio bosses and directors and producers and forming a union. And um, it was it was very dangerous to do. And they were running the risk of never being never working again. That that should be a some of Hollywood's most prominent um, actors at the time. That'd be a great movie. It would be just a great movie about the starting of this. That's a good idea. Get on that, Rick. Okay, I'll write that one for Uh, um, you. (laughs) Toward the end of his career, he was he did a bunch of cameos on some very popular TV shows. uh, You know, well, he had three TV series of his own. He had Thriller, Colonel March, and The Veil. Wow! Yeah, it, it, and that must have been a just a gas for him. Just and he loved, it. especially the you know the cameos on like Ice Spy and Route sixty six. That must have been he Dinosaur. Dinosaur. All what? the prominent. Um, all the, the hour long shows and half hour long shows, but mainly hour shows. He did a wonderful thing with Roddy McDowell. That has just slipped my mind. Um, oh, oh, darkness. Um, okay. Uh, Dark shadow. Darkness. No, no darkness. Okay. Uh, Into the darkness or something like that. Wonderful, wonderful show. Um, but he did, uh, you know, Westinghouse, uh, all the old television shows. He uh, was. Uh, he performed in. Uh, they did plays, and then he did guest performances, and then he loved to spoof his own. Um, he was on the Carol Burnett show, yeah. spoofing his own boogie boogeyman image, and the plays he, uh, the uh, films he made with with um, Vincent and uh, Peter Lorre, um, they spoofed their. They had such a good time on those sets because they, these old men. Uh, 
just had worked together and knew yeah. each other, liked each other. Yeah, they're goofing around, each right? each other and spoofed their own boogeyman images in those films, Comedy of Terrors and The Raven. Are those the yeah, Roger Corman stuff. movies? Yeah, those are Roger Corman yeah. movies. And they, they played practical jokes on... Roger Corman and dro- delighted in driving him crazy. <laughs> well, what, uh, as kind of a weird question, what was Halloween like in your house? I mean, what did... I knew you'd get around. <laughs> well, we just passed that and, holiday. And, you know, it no different than anybody else's house. Um, it was a, a, a the house I grew up in. It was a long way up from the street through a garden and a gate. And our doorbell didn't ring that much. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you, you talk about a, a long career. I mean, he worked with everyone from Bela Lugosi to Jack Nicholson. Um, yeah. Did he ever talk about his fellow actors, the ones that he admired, the ones that he looked up to? Um, not really. No, he didn't. He did, and I'm going to forget his last name, so I can't really tell you the story. Um, he did mention one actor that he really admired and thought was a fine actor, and his first name was George. Um, George Kennedy? Yes. He oh, really nice. admired his work, and I had the good fortune of doing a, a show with him, a convention with him, and I had the opportunity to tell him that. Oh, how nice. And he, he got tears in his eyes. Yeah, I mean, imagine and hearing that. <laughs> that's that's he great. Just, he really, he, he just, I was shaking his hand, and I went up to meet him because I wanted to meet him and tell him that because I never heard my father talk about actors, anybody, except Julie Harris. He adored her. Um, but they, George was the only actor I ever heard him really talk about and and you know i mean and he didn't work with him he just uh admired him from afar admired him just admired him and i wanted an opportunity to tell uh, uh, george that so i went up and i was shaking his hand and he was so profuse and and being delighted to meet me and, and and admiring my father and i wanted to tell him that story and i did and he, a tears just rolled down his face. Wow, oh, so wonderful. And I was so delighted because it wasn't too long thereafter that he passed. Yeah, that's no. that's something. Now, there is yeah. a documentary out uh, about your dad called Boris Karloff, yeah. The Man Behind the Monster. Correct. Uh, tell, me, tell us about it's that. In DVD, it's in DVD format now Okay. with um, something called... Oops, sorry. Uh, <laughs> called um, um, uh, The Rest of the Story. It has 147 minutes of extras. Oh, okay. And it's in DVD format, in Blu-ray format, and then a uh, limited edition that has both DVD, uh, Blu-ray, and then a booklet all about the making of the... the uh, uh, documentary and more about my father. Is that all available on your website? You betcha. Okay, tell <laughs> tell everybody what that is. Uh, my sure. website is um, www.karloff.com. It's our homepage website. 
Well, this we have all sorts of. We have a wonderful uh, thing called our art gallery. Um, uh, wonderfully talented artists send us um, their Karloff art, and we just post it so they will get additional exposure. There's some wonderful artists out there. You can uh, visit the art gallery. Um, I get some marvelous letters from fans of my father, and I post them on my website. And then we have the gift shop, and then we have new products. And, and of course, the documentary is one of our new products um, in either DVD format or Blu-ray format. Or, uh, But e- each of the three versions that we have um, uh, has the... Um, um, has the extra bonus material on it, and they're twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, and thirty dollars. And then we have new products. We have um, so do your Christmas shopping early. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, are there any Grinch related products? Any what? Grinch related products for Christmas? Um, we've got some tumblers. Okay. They're wonderful, and one of them is a Grinch tumbler. Oh, there you go. Well, that, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Great stocking stuff. Well, this has just yeah. been a pleasure talking yeah. to this you, is wonderful. Sarah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule and coming on this well, little podcast in Chicago. Oh, I was so fascinated by it. <laughs> I just, this has been lots of fun. I also, if anybody has any questions, my email is they made it simple so I'd remember it. <laughs> it's Karloff at Karloff.com. Oh. Well, thank thank you, Sarah. Have, well, a, have well, a great day. And have a great holidays oh, coming you up. Too, guys. And, Happy Thanksgiving, and yeah. thank you for having me. Oh, on no. The show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. What a nice lady. Oh, what? The, think, I mean, you know, think about growing up that you're. Dad is Boris Karloff, but it didn't seem to matter, you know, which is wonderful. You know, I've seen uh, like uh, films, uh, BBC interviews and stuff mm-hmm. of him. He just seems just like, like a, a nice, a, right? Yeah, just a gentleman. a gentleman, right? Yeah, an English gentleman. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's uh, that's our episode for this mm-hmm. week, Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. We have to thank some people. We have to thank our executive producer, Tony Lozano, with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H-shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Minutiaman Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? We are the hosts of Minutia Men. I'm Rick Kempfer. And I'm Dave Stern. I'm German. I'm Jewish. I have three sons. I have three daughters. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Sox fan. I have hair. Minutia Men and Old Pie Show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.